wherever in the world you are. Welcome to the Health Zone Show with Michal O'Mahuna, where with each episode I explore interesting health and well-being topics with a thought-provoking guest. These topics can range from nutrition, relationships, spirituality, finance, creativity, mental health and much, much more, so that you can live a healthier, happier and more authentic life. Guests on the show vary from health experts, spiritual teachers, finance wizards, sports legends, to ordinary people with extraordinary lives. Find us on facebook.com forward slash The Health Zone Show, or you can also join our Facebook group, The Health Zoners. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, pin interest under The Health Zone. Check out our new updated website, www.thehealthzoneshow.com, and at the moment, you can receive a free copy of my latest ebook, Seven Ways to Boost Your Overall Well Being When You Join the Health Zone. Today, I'm talking with New York Times best selling author and internationally renowned as a pioneer bridging modern science, spirituality, and human potential, Greg Braden. Hello, Greg. How are you today? Michal, I am doing really well. I'm speaking to you from uh, uh, a studio in the high desert of northern New Mexico in the in the United States in the American Desert Southwest. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I stepped outside just for a moment before uh, this interview began, and it is a beautiful day with blue skies, uh, spring, and you would never know what is happening in the world just by looking at the beautiful day that's happening outside today. So it's a very interesting juxtaposition. Can you just tell us a little bit about the work you do, Greg? I am a a scientist. I'm a a degreed earth scientist. I'm a a geologist. Uh, But what a lot of people don't know, uh, Mial, is that I began as a life scientist. I was a marine biologist uh, before I went into marine geology that led me into terrestrial geology. Uh, and I say that because I, I have a strong background, molecular biology and, and genetics, and, and it has helped me to stay on top of the, the, the new discoveries that are being published almost on a weekly basis uh, in the world of biology and science and genetics, as, as well as the earth scientists, and, and, or the earth sciences. And, and it all comes together, uh, I think, in a really beautiful way to help us understand uh, ourselves and our relationship to the world. You know, there, there is a place where science and policy and politics all come together, and it's all based upon the way we've been taught to think about ourselves and our relationship to our bodies and our relationship to the world. So, you know, the conversation we're about to have, it's much more than just a philosophical conversation because the, the way that we solve our problems, the way we choose our relationships, the way we heal our bodies— uh, and the the choices we make when it comes to our future, they're all based upon the way we've been taught to think about ourselves and our relationship to one another. And as the new discoveries are being revealed, those discoveries give us the reasons to embrace new ways of thinking uh, that are very empowering ways of thinking about ourselves. And that's reflected in the choices we make when it comes to our elected leaders, our elected officials. Uh, and, and the policies that we embrace, the laws that we pass. 
So there, there is a place where all of this, it's, it's more than a philosophical conversation. It becomes very relevant. It's the foundation for the way that we live our lives. So I wanted to say that as we, uh, as we launch into our conversation today as, a, as kind of a foundation for, for everything that we do. Greg, in what way do you think we're actually being taught to have that relationship? Well, you know, the, historically, I, I, when I was in school back in the 1950s, uh, 1960s and early 1970s, I was taught a story about us, our origin, our relationship to the world. I was taught, as many of our, our listeners were, that we are the product of random processes, uh, random mutations described by Charles Darwin in 1859, over 100 years ago that we are the product of uh, a long line of, of life that has experienced what he called survival of the strongest, in his own words. These are Darwin's words. I, I have his manuscript here in my, in my office. Uh, later, those words were adapted to survival of the fittest. But Darwin originally said survival of the strongest, and that's a very powerful insight into his thinking and the way that he believed that, that nature works. He believed that nature is based upon competition, conflict, and struggle. Uh, and this idea, this thinking, although it was first revealed in the mid-1800s, and people often say to me, you know, Greg, that was a long time ago. So what? You know, what difference could it possibly make in our lives today? And it's a good question. And they're surprised by the answer because the answer is that the foundations of the world we live in today were laid in the late 1800s, early 1900s, when these ideas were being embraced. So the foundation of uh, our economic system is based upon competition. The foundation of, of corporate structure is based upon competition, survival of the strongest. And as we find ourselves in a globalized planet facing conditions such as we're facing right now, this, this global pandemic, regardless of how we believe it originated, where it came from, without blame, or you know anything like that. The fact is that we're in it, we've got to deal with it, and these old ideas are obsolete. They're based on false science and obsolete thinking, because the new science, the new science that's not being shared in the mainstream. You're not gonna see this science in textbooks and classrooms and mainstream media, but the new science has overturned uh, 150 years of thinking. The new science is telling us, number one, that we humans are not the product of this random process. Something else happened uh, to make us as we are today that we do not live in a world where nature's based upon competition. The fundamental rule of nature our own science, and I was telling us, is cooperation, not competition. And that is a, a magnitude of, of difference when it comes to the way we think and solve our problems. We've, if we're going to be successful as a species, we've got to honor the harmony uh, of nature. And as we embrace nature's principles in our own lives, uh, to the degree that we do that, to the degree that we find success in our relationships, uh, in our jobs, uh, now in our societies and between nations as we're working together toward a common good to uh, to transcend what this pandemic has, has brought to our lives. So uh, for many people, it's a very different way of thinking. And I have to say that for me, 
uh, it's very different from what I was been taught. But if, if we're honest with ourselves, how can we solve the problems of our lives unless we're honest about those problems, Michal? And this is, this is why I'm so passionate about what, what we're talking about here. And when it comes to the human body, I just want to say this, the human body, I mean, we, we could do an entire program on this. The human body, I, I want to be very clear. I, I am a degree geologist. I believe in evolution. So I want to be clear. Evolution is a fact. I've seen it in the fossil record for many forms of life, plants, animals, and insects. Here's the thing. That theory breaks down when it comes to us. We appeared on Earth about 200,000 years ago, and scientists agree with that. We don't know where we came from. We appeared fully enabled, fully intact, with the body structure and the DNA that we have today. And if you compare our DNA to the DNA that's being extracted from the fossils of our ancestors, we have not changed in that 200,000 years. And that violates all of the principles of Darwin's idea of evolution. We appeared with capabilities light years beyond what is needed for everyday survival. And the way that those capacities were created, the, the, the mutations that happened in our DNA, the multiple mutations that happened quickly, not slowly, gradually over long periods of time, and they all are attributed to happening 200,000 years ago, tells us that we're more than random mutations. And that is what gives me hope in the presence of a global pandemic, because our bodies are designed and wired for times just like this. Our bodies know what to do. Our bodies know how to adapt if we give our bodies what they need to be optimal, if we live our lives in a way that supports this power within our bodies. So I, I just wanted to say that as we began, and uh, that's a foundation, and that we can we can go anywhere you want to go. Tapping into that power that you were touching on there, do you think this competitive paradigm that you were talking about is stopping us from connecting to our power and, and the true essence of who we are? I, I think it has in the past, uh, you know, I, and I'm not going to judge our past. We are on a learning curve. And I think where we hurt ourselves is when we judge and criticize the past. Uh, we have lived our lives as a society, as a civilization, based upon what we understood to be true at the time. So, for example, Darwin, never, never in a million years could Darwin have known in his day what we now know in ours. Darwin didn't know about DNA. Darwin didn't even know about cells. You know, in the early part of the 20th century, scientists thought cells were little, little sacks of water. And, and that was all they were. They had no way of knowing the complexity of what happens inside of a cell. So I'm not judging Darwin. Um, Darwin himself said that his theory was a stepping stone toward a greater understanding. He never expected his theory to end with his theory. Uh, and he was perfectly willing to let his theories fall. It's modern academia and, and the interest of corporations the interest of religion, the interest of politics that have hijacked the science and made it into something that it is not. Darwin was okay with his theory falling uh, and clinging to the obsolete ideas of competition uh, to solve our problems is not helping us in the present. It may have led us to some deep understandings in the past. So I'm not going to say we were wrong. I'm going to say we did the best we could with what we knew to be true. But now 
that we know a deeper truth. We owe it to ourselves to embrace that truth and honor the science uh, in our everyday lives. And, and I think the world conditions are forcing us into that place, uh, Michal. They're forcing us. We can no longer, the, the, the borders between nations don't mean the same thing anymore. And a virus certainly knows no borders. We're in a, a, a global viral pandemic. So we are being forced as a global community to cooperate. Uh, and this is one of the, the things I believe will happen is that although we are forced to cooperate now because we need to, that we're going to find that it works. And even when the virus, when this pandemic is no longer present, we will have found a new way of thinking and living and working together. And the leaders of our nations will look at other leaders as humans, as people with families, um, with lives that they're responsible for less than looking at those leaders standing behind their armies and their technology. And I think that may be one of the beautiful things that is possibly emerging from uh, where we find ourselves right now. And you believe that this pandemic is playing a role in waking us up, Greg? I think that it, it has that potential. It's up to us as to whether or not we embrace that potential. We could simply call the pandemic an, an enemy and, and fight it like we fight everything else in the past, that we can do that, that's, that's possible. Because a virus is just a virus. It's not even alive. You know, a lot of people have asked me, you know, why don't we just take an antibiotic or, you know, how do we kill this virus? The, the interesting thing, as a scientist, what I can tell you is that a virus does not even meet the biological definition. The six parameters that must be necessary for, for a life to exist, a virus does not meet any of those. Technically, a virus is not even alive. So right now, something that cannot be seen with the naked eye is hard to see with a conventional microscope, and something that's not even alive has brought the world to its knees and is changing the way that we live our lives. The meaning that we give to that and the benefit that we derive from that experience is up to us. We must choose to become more than we've been in the past. And that is a choice that we're watching play out on the global stage right now. And do you think there's something we could learn from our ancestors to best respond to this, Greg? Absolutely. And, and what I'll say, and I want to say to our listeners right now, I want to say to every one of our listeners, you are made for times just like these. Your body knows exactly what to do with any contagion because our bodies for 200,000 years have been wired to transcend, not to survive, but transcend, to become more than the viruses, the bacteria, the what people call the invaders that come into our bodies. Our job is to love ourselves enough. And this, this isn't some esoteric uh, theme. This is very practical. It's very scientific. To love ourselves enough to give our bodies what they need, to live our lives in the, the way, in the manner, to give our bodies what our bodies need so that our bodies can be at our best and do what they're designed to do. Our immune system is designed to transcend what we're experiencing right now. It can only do that if it has the, the nutrition. And this is real food that comes from the earth, not food that comes from a machine or a factory. If if we have the, the nutrients 
that our body needs. It's all the things we need. If we have movement, exercise, our bodies are not made to be stagnant. Our bodies are made to move. Movement is medicine. That literally is a mantra. Movement is medicine. So we've got to move, some kind of movement every day. If we can't go outside, then inside, yoga or floor exercises or a stationary bike or uh, a walk in nature, things like that. Uh, these are the things that we can give to our bodies. And the inner environment, the stress from the loss of jobs, the loss of income, and the fear of what this global shutdown means, and a lot of the fear, frankly, that's coming from the media that does not understand what we're talking about right now. Many people feel frightened, and that fear comes because they do not trust their bodies to do what their bodies are designed to do in the presence of this pandemic. And if you don't trust your body, yes, it can be very fearful. Now, for people who are vulnerable, and you have to be honest with yourself, maybe some, someone has not lived their lives where they have supported their bodies. They haven't eaten good food. They haven't done the exercise. Uh, the vulnerable population are those that are overweight, those that are diabetic, uh, statistically, those that are older, I mean, statistically, I am in a, a category that should be vulnerable because of my age. I'm, uh, I'm on my way to 70 right now. So uh, I'm closer to 70 than I am, I am to 60, I'll say it that way. And, and, uh, and those are statistics. But biologically, when I go to the doctor, the doctor tells me, uh, he says, I'm a doctor. I don't understand medically, Greg, everything that you do, but what you do works for you because you have the biology of a man not in his 60s, but a man that's in his 40s. So what we know is our bodies respond very quickly. And if, if we're home, if we're locked down, if we're shelter in place right now, uh, it's a perfect time. It's a perfect time to make the choices to honor our bodies, to love ourselves enough, to eat best food possible, to, to move our bodies, to exercise, sleep, and to do the things we need to do to relieve that stress. And our bodies respond really, really fast. It doesn't take weeks and months. Your body will begin to respond in hours and days, so it's not too late. Uh, and for me, this is where so much my optimism comes from. I'm very optimistic about where we are right now because it's an invitation for all of us to become the best version of ourselves that we can be uh, in the presence of a world that is demanding that from us right now. And you just mentioned about presence there, Greg. Is there a way that people can come more into place of presence with everything that's actually happening in the world right now? I think, you know, one of the things that's happening, mainstream media is talking a lot about our physical experience. Uh, they're talking, they're saying there is a physical virus. We have to be physically isolated. Um, you know, we're, we're losing the ability to make a living for a period of time and, and to receive that paycheck. And all of that uh, is contributing to something that is not being talked about in the media. And yet people are still having the experience. And, and what is happening? You hear people talking about some of them are angry. Some are frustrated, some are depressed, some are anxious, people are not sleeping well. All of these, uh, Michal, are symptoms of grief. 
we are a planet in grief right now. And people say, what are we grieving? And the answer surprises people. We are grieving the loss of a way of life. Just the way you would grieve the loss of a loved one, uh, there are stages of grief that we must go through to come out on the other side. Now, those stages are very well known. Uh, a woman, uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, described them beautifully. I, I can't I can't do a better job than, than what she has done. If people want to, to look up uh, her work and, uh, and explore this, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, the, the five stages of grief. Uh, the stage of denial is the first stage when, uh, you know, when we're told something we can't believe. And then the, uh, the stage of anger, the stage of depression, the stage of bargaining, and the stage of acceptance. So we will all go through those stages. The question is, can we go through them in a healthy way in a compressed period of time? Can we go through them in a matter of hours or days, or does it need to drag out into months or years? And this is, this is the question that we find right now. We can go through this in a healthy way by acknowledging where we are, the fact that we have lost a way of life. And it's true. We all now are being prevented from doing the things that we did only a few weeks ago. And that is a loss. So sometimes it's as simple as saying, yes, I have lost something that I value. I, I miss, I miss going to the restaurant. I miss going to the pub. I miss being with my friends. And sometimes it can be that simple to move out of that denial and, and then into that next, next stage. A lot of people right now are, are writing to us and telling us they're dealing with depression and anxiety. And they don't know why or where to put that. So for me, the benefit, the beauty of recognizing this model, I'm a scientist. And when I can have a model that helps me to understand that my feelings and my emotions are part of a process that is natural and to be expected, and then I can see where I am in that process, I can also see what comes next and I can see a light at the end of the tunnel. And this is, for me, where it gets really exciting, I mean, all because the light at the end of that tunnel, once we go through the denial and the anger and the depression and the bargaining, and we reach acceptance, one of the hallmarks of acceptance is we stop looking at the past. We stop expecting everything to be as it was before. We begin looking at new possibilities. We say, okay, we're, we're going to get through this. And okay, there's, there is going to be a time when our restrictions are lifted. Then what? Then what happens? We emerge into a world that's going to be very different. People are not going to be traveling the same. They're not going to be spending money the same. They can't because jobs have evaporated. Income has evaporated. There's a lot of fear about traveling and being close to other people. So we're, we're emerging into a new world, but that world right now doesn't exist. We are building it by our response to what life has brought to our doorstep. If we can embrace the deep truths of our humanness, honor our bodies, strengthen our bodies through all the things we're talking about, and adapt that as a way of life, then we come out stronger and we come out as masters of this experience, if we succumb to the fear 
if we believe that we don't have the power, that our bodies are powerless to do anything about an external virus, then we become the victims. And we emerge into a new world as victims asking for something to save us. That's a choice where we are right now. So to me, the, the good news, the beautiful thing is we still are making that choice. And as we recognize where we are in those stages of grief, and we move through in a healthy way, and we live our lives in this time where we are socially isolated from one another, or at least physically isolated, maybe not socially isolated, because the internet, we can still connect. But as we embrace the principles that we know that, that, that make us strong, uh, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, when they lift those restrictions, we're better people, and we're going to have a better world, and we're going to have uh, a better families, stronger societies. And, and I think that is a potential that can come from everything that we're seeing right now. Greg, I know you mentioned there about choices. How important is it to have consciousness and awareness around those choices? Well, this is, uh, this, these are all facets of conscious, consciousness, of, um, of, being, of awareness, of being aware, rather than just moving through the motions of the day, of, uh, of being mindful. This is a term that you hear a lot in, um, in modern terminology. It actually is a very Buddhist term, is where we make it a point to be conscious and mindful. Uh, so, for example, when it comes to a meal, uh, whatever that meal is that's in front of us, we ask ourselves a mindful question. Is this the highest form of nutrition that I have available to me in this moment? Now, maybe uh, that's all there is. And if, if um, you know, fried fried chicken <laughs> that we all know. I mean, there are healthier ways to, to eat the chicken. Uh, if it's fried in trans fats and it's high in those oils, uh, may not be the best thing. But if it's the best in that moment, if, if the answer, honestly, this is the best, the highest form of nutrition that I have to give my body in this moment, then there's nothing wrong with eating it. And the next opportunity that we have for a better form of nutrition we embrace that form of nutrition. It's about, it's about being mindful of what's happening in the moment. Uh, and the same, the same with, you know, at the end of the day, we might feel tired. And it's easy to succumb to that and say, okay, I'm just going to sit on the couch and watch TV. Is that the highest form, uh, the highest honoring of the body in the moment? Or would it be more honoring maybe to go and take a walk? even the short walk, 10 to 15 minutes. And if you're still tired, then come back and, and take a nap. But if you're not, sometimes that 10 to 15 minutes, you seem, you, you become energized because you're connecting with air. You're connecting with water. If you're near the ocean, you're connecting with the land. And these are all ways that we are mindful in terms of nutrition, exercise. Uh, and the same is true with personal interactions are the interactions that we're having with other people. Are they stressful? And if they are, where does that stress come from? And how do you resolve the stress? More than we can do justice to in this brief conversation. But, but these are all examples of, of being mindful uh, in our everyday lives, rather than just going through the motions mechanically, robotically, 
doing what everybody else is doing and, and doing what we've been conditioned to do in the past. Touching in with your book, The Wisdom Codes, is there any particular maybe learnings or wisdom from that book that people could use in their lives right now? There is a new book uh, that's being released from our, our publisher, Hay House. It's called The Wisdom Codes. I, I felt like the conversation we had was more relevant to what people certainly are experiencing in their lives mm. today. The book is, yeah, the book, the book is also relevant. This book it took me 40 years to write this book. And, and one of the things uh, our listeners may know is uh, I've spent much of my adult life with indigenous people studying indigenous traditions, ancient texts. I'm a scholar of ancient texts. Um, I've been with the, the monks and the nuns in the highlands of central China and the monasteries of Tibet and Nepal and India and the shamans and the healers and the Kurandaros and the Andes Mountains of, of Peru and the Altiplano of, of Bolivia and all through the American desert southwest and the aboriginals and much more. Uh, and as I, I mentioned, we have a little bit of a technical problem. It is a collection of the words and the phrases uh, through the the chants, uh, the mantras, the the prayers, the hymns of ancient and indigenous traditions, some of them going back almost 7,000 years before present. Uh, I've drawn upon the, the ancient Vedas, the Upanishads, the Bhagavad Gita, uh, the ancient Gnostic and Christian texts, uh, the, the Buddhist traditions, the Native American traditions from here in, in the United States, the Egyptian ancient Egyptian texts uh, that were found inside of some of the pyramids and the, the funerary texts, all of these have been used by people of the past to give them comfort and strength uh, and wisdom in times of, of need. So I have collected these for over 40 years, uh, Nihal, and I've categorized these into chapters such as protection, such as loss, um, such as uh, uh, love, not all of them are, are bad, but the, the science underlying this is where this gets really interesting because only recently have scientists begin to understand that the words that we use change the way the neurons in our heart and our brain fire together. So the words actually determine not only how we think, about life's situations, but the words determine what we're even capable of thinking about, what we are even capable of conceiving. And this is fascinating to me. Uh, this is a, a field of, of linguistics, neuro-linguistics. It's a relationship between words and, uh, and the neurons of the heart and the brain. So as we choose certain patterns of words to give us comfort or wisdom in times of need, we're actually changing the way our body is responding to our challenge. And that's what this book is all about. In, in, a, uh, in a nutshell, very briefly, that's what the book's all about. Thanks so much, Greg. And just finally, if people want to find out more about your work, how can they do it? Sure. We have uh, my, my team's put together a beautiful website. It's gregbraden.com. Greg with two G's. So it's G-R-E-G-G. B R A D E N dot com, and uh, right on the on the banner page talks all about the book. It's available at Amazon right now. So, uh, so I just want to say, first of all, uh, Mihal, thank you so much for the opportunity to just to connect a little bit today. I want to send my love to my 
family and your part of the world, our global community. Uh, and I just want to remind people that although this is unusual, we haven't seen it in our lifetimes, that we are made four times like this. We're going to get through it. We're going to get through it together. We're going to be better people. We're going to have better families. And I believe we're going to have a better world for it. So we are laying the foundation for all the things that make for a better world right now in our lives. And for me, that's the opportunity. So, so thank you for, the, for uh, giving me the opportunity to, to talk about this a little bit today. You're very welcome, Greg, and it was a pleasure talking to you today. All right, brother, you take care, stay safe, and I look forward to our next. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to that interview. At the core of the health zone is one question. Where does the money come from to create it? Does the work you do make humanity better through the products you use to help you grow and become a more empowered and authentic person? That's why supporting the health zone and donor box is good for all of us. I can focus on creating an inspiring and thought-provoking show so you can become a more connected human being. It's an honest exchange, value for value. This show costs hundreds of euros per month to produce and bring to your ears. It's a free podcast and you can listen to the content for free. I invest my time and creative energy in creating it. However, I can't keep the show going without support. If you feel this podcast adds value, inspiration and motivation to your life, I invite you to support the show on donorbox.org forward slash the health zone. Think of it like going for a cup of coffee or a tea. Is this show worth buying me a coffee or a tea a month? Your kindness and generosity really helps, supports and encourages me to do even more. It also creates the possibility for someone who cannot afford to listen to this as well. Visit donorbox.org forward slash the health zone and kindly donate anything you can. Thanks ever so much for your support. Thanks for listening to another inspiring and thought-provoking show of The Health Zone. I'm Mihal Mahuna. Just to remind you, you can find us on facebook.com forward slash The Health Zone Show or you can join our Facebook group, The Health Owners. We're also on Twitter, Instagram and pin interest under The Health Zone. To gain further invaluable resources on health and well-being, go to our website www thehealthzoneshow.com when you're on there join the health zone and you'll receive a free copy of my latest ebook seven ways to boost your overall well-being finally i would love to hear any feedback you may have on the show and even if there are any particular guests or topics which you're interested in please email me on tune in at thehealthzoneshow.com until next time this is me hall thanks for listening and i wish you a very healthy happy and authentic week. Baby, baby.